coincidence too often because I worry I'm misusing it 75% no, think, of the time. I think you're on track this time. Well, I'll, then it's I'll... It's like, I love to play Dungeons and Dragons as like a, as like a half-dragon, half-human, you know, chaotic sorcerer character, but damn it, if that Jedi in that movie is a girl and or black, I am burning this whole fucking town down. Good lord. All right. So, to get as far away from this as possible, hi, my name is Nick. And I'm Kyle. This is the Big Bang Theory Theory. We watch the Big Bang Theory. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. We just try to figure out what what we're getting out of it. And I'm going to say that uh, this episode for me was fine. I feel like it's not one of the serious low points that we struggled to get through. It's not one of the recent high points, but... Uh, I think we were both shocked by how quickly it's over. Yeah. And in the one sense, that means there wasn't enough plot for us to hold on to to get a sense of progression. But in the other sense, mostly painless. Yeah. So this is the middle. This is like the absolute, like, in between the episodes where we're like, oh, this is so unfunny. It's like, it's like having depression. And this is actually surprisingly good this week. This is like, this is, this is the mean that is probably... We hope the show shoots for it. would be too much to hope that we could get that many episodes that were good. But if they can just keep to this level of, you know, opium for the masses, then, yeah, I'll get high on that because yeah. I have to. And so I'll do, I'll do a quick summary, which I think it, this episode addresses some issues, well, reiterates some issues I had with the last episode, which is, uh, ooh, I can't remember the very, very beginning of the episode. Are they already... No, they're hanging out in the apartment, and they're playing rock paper scissors. Oh, lizard Spock. Spock, which is a game not worth explaining. I bet you can figure out what it is. Um, and then Wallowitz walks in with an eye patch in that god awful costume. Right. Oh, and thank God this didn't go further than it needed to. Is Wallowitz is admitting that he's been studying uh, pickup artistry, uh, the, the PUA pickup artists, and a big part of that. Uh, which I know too much about this because I just like going on the internet and making myself mad. Um, but there, he he picks up on on two of the the most obvious strategies, which one is to wear some stupid distinctive piece of clothing just to like start conversations and get noticed. And he's chosen an eye patch, which when he first came in, I was like, oh, he's going through a Bowie phase. That's fun, <laughs> and that didn't really pan out. Uh, and then also he's he's picked up on the idea of nagging women, and so when Penny comes over. He says, oh, hey, usually I'm not attracted. You're, you're really hot in spite of having such greasy hair. And he snaps, she snaps his eye patch, and that's it. And that doesn't so much connect to the rest of the episode, but the, the next scene is everybody still hanging out. I think they're fighting over whether uh, Star Trek V is better than uh, Star Trek One, And Wallowitz calls because there's been some sort of horrible issue. Uh... Leonard, Raj, and uh, Sheldon all, all run to the, the lab where Wallace is working because he has been driving the Mars rover and it, he crashed it into a ditch. And what I would like this episode to be about is how they choose to solve this because they realize they can't really do anything about getting it out of the ditch. And so Wallowitz proposes, hey, Let's wipe all the hard drives, erase the security footage, and then wipe our fingerprints from every surface in the room so no one knows that any of this happened. And they do it, <laughs> which is incredible. And then, instead, the episode comes about 
about how uh, the reason that this happened was Wallowitz had lured a woman into the lab to impress her with his uh, his access to the the rover, uh, and then Leonard gives her a ride home when they're when the others are there fixing the problem, and they immediately start making out, and there are f- fluids and faces match together and all sorts of sexy times, and so then the rest of the episode is all about when and whether it's appropriate to tell Wallowitz about it. He's an idiot and thinks he's still dating her and she's not answering any of his messages. And then it wraps up with uh, Leonard and uh, the girl, the new girlfriend coming over. Wallowitz refusing to acknowledge them and to new girlfriend in a very diplomatic move says, well, we wanted you to come out and meet my sister who's also lonely and vulnerable. And then everything is patched up and great. And so they all go to dinner, to dinner together. And then the stinger, which actually... This is very frustrating for me because it resolves the plot I'm more interested in. Is uh, first earlier in the episode they're all watching the news about the rover, and the news comes out that oh, all the footage is and the data is gone. No one will ever know how this happened. It's it's uh, it's a terrible loss. And then the end of the episode is oh, but when it was stuck in this ditch, it may have actually uh, it's, it's, it's since being uh, starting recording again. Uh, it's detected signs of what may be extraterrestrial life. It's an incredible uh, discovery. It's just a shame that we'll never know how this happened or who is responsible for this. And and Wallowitz stares sadly to know that he will he's now uh, lost forever to history for his accidental accomplishment. And that's about everything. But of course, we're here to pick up through the finer details. And I don't know. I've already kind of gone on about how I really wished that. The, the series of federal crimes were, were more of a focus, but what, what's, what's something that you want to get into? No, I mean, that's a, I mean, I like the idea. So jumping right into something we talk about sometimes, which is what would be a better episode than the episode we got? I think you're like, they could have done like a funny version of The Martian where they're just in the control room trying to like figure out a way to trick the machine and the like. They never even say exactly how it's broken. They're just like, oh, nope, it's not getting a signal anymore, and now it's in a ditch. I think the problem is that, like, I think, so sitcoms very often, if not always, have an A plot and a B plot. And I think in this one, the, the A plot does become the, the, the relationship between Leonard and this new lady and how they handle the wallet situation. But I think this is a case where each of these really should have been its own episode. Because I think you'd have a lot more interesting things to work with if you really dived into the 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 dynamics of what it is to betray a friend in a sense, but at the same time like be entering into a relationship that realistically they were never going to be a part of in the first place. Um, that that's I think something very interesting, uh, and that's so that's a real life thing. That is, that is complicated and can be dealt with in a number of ways. And then you also have what you just suggested, this episode about them trying to get this rover out of this ditch and whatever wacky shenanigans they have to engage in to, to get through that one. Like maybe it could have been that they need to recruit Penny because her being from the Midwest, she's used to like four-wheeling through ditches or whatever. And so they all have to express their frustration that none of their maths and sciences are enough to do this because they don't know what it's like to to bog through some bog through some old dirty ditches and have to really rev it up and get over the the, the loam. Uh, in, instead, they just 
they get away with everything and nothing happens except Wallowitz is sad at the end for several reasons. Or at the very least, if they were going to make it about the hunt, they could have really upped the level of stress of, of, oh, these guys now, like, the FBI is looking for who did this. and Yeah, and it could have been like a silly, almost like thriller, maybe, where they are all buckling as they try to uh, keep secret this horrible thing that they've all done together. Well, so this is, I didn't want to get too, I don't, it's not that important. It's just a, it's one of those things where the second it happened, I was like, oh, you, you fucked up the writing on this. Even by your standards, this is a, this is just an obvious fuck right. up. I'm, I'm glad you bring this up because you, you looked at me during the episode and said, that's a huge plot hole. And I had no idea what you were talking about. Well, so in order to, um, in order to cover uh, up the fact that he is sleeping with this girl that Wallowitz only in his mind is dating. Yes. Um, Leonard tells Sheldon, I need you to lie to our friends about where I am. Yes. And we go- get back to an older joke about Sheldon, which we've established before, which is Sheldon is a terrible liar. He's not comfortable with it. He doesn't know how to do it. It's incredibly obvious when he's trying to fabricate the truth and it's just he's completely see-through and incredibly uncomfortable trying to lie about anything yes we establish this in the same episode where sheldon is complicit in a cover-up of a federal crime and apparently goes home and does not sweat it or thinks about it ever again like he should be shitting his pants like watching the news because it's like oh oh no well you know what so i'm gonna say this you are right but i'd say it should actually be even more extreme sheldon should be losing his mind at what has happened yes the others should be freaking out sheldon should be like tearing at his flesh because he doesn't know how to process all of the feelings he's having yeah he should be like he should be like packing a bag and like he should like reveal that he's like has like a He's like slowly putting together like uh, one of those like escape hatches. So yeah. like if the FBI knocks on his door, he can just like disappear out of like the side room he, with, he, and like assume a new identity. He distributes in Argentina. The, he distributes all the cyanide pills that he's been keeping on hand just in case, and everyone gets freaked out because they're all individually labeled with their names on them. Uh, and there's a couple for Wallowitz, and Sheldon's just like, I don't have time to explain that, <laughs> and you know something like that. Uh, and, and I, I think this all goes back again. I, I'm going to stop bringing this up every episode because it's, it's so uh, such a dead horse at this point. You know, more stakes. Ridiculous things happen, and there's nothing about the character that suggests that they'd ever be comfortable with this. And instead, they 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 cast all of this aside so you can focus on an, a still interesting but not very well fleshed out plot about Leonard totally smooching some babe and not being able to be upfront about it. In sort of the one interesting interaction, well, I don't mean, I don't know. It's a very different interaction that, between Leonard and Penny than anything we've seen before. I think that's what I keyed into because, yeah, because Leonard, like Penny, is instantly able to tell that Leonard is seeing someone because uh, she knows his habits too well. He bought a new shirt. Yeah, was the clue, and so she's like, "Oh, that's cool. You're." Um, and she's not jealous at all, which is something weird that we've... I guess that's part of what's weird about it. It, it was a relief. Every single, every single time that he's been dating someone, she's been, like, weirdly, like, not very, but slightly jealous about it or slightly weird about it. And here she's just like, oh, that's cool, you're dating someone. And then he's like, oh, but I have this ethical problem. And she's like, and 
I think she, he's like, is it okay to keep a secret from a friend that I'm dating someone? Well, it, it depends. And she goes, it depends. Is it Wallowitz? And he goes, yes. And she's like, that's fine. Yeah. And then uh, the follow-up is, have you guys slept together yet? Yeah. Uh, does that change anything? No, not at all. Like, just <laughs> keep doing what you're doing, buddy. He doesn't even say yeah. He just gives a goofy grin, which is again something that I like. Well, so it's one of his more realistic nerd. It was cute. Reactions. Well, so there's a question though. Is I think I've been kind of thinking about this all based on the premise that the friend is someone that you would generally care about and respect. Is it better or worse, or does it matter to have the same situation and have a friend who you you don't feel that way about who like maybe even you think might deserve it and then is that person your friend i start to say then they're not your friend then but none of these people should be friends i mean for the most part like i mean the interesting question would be what if it was like sheldon doesn't have girlfriends that's part of his whole like thing if it were sheldon this would have turned into like a real raw dramedy really quick it'd be all about like let her you know i'm emotionally vulnerable I'm a very sensitive person and I have a difficult way of expressing it. And the fact that I can't really get my emotions out to you right now is proof of that. You're the person who's closest to me and the only one I can really trust with all of my innermost thoughts. And even now I feel like I can't reveal to those to you because you've, you've betrayed me at such a exactly. fundamental level. And well, that and, and oh my God, if we tell Sheldon and he feels betrayed, who knows what that guy, what that crazy fucker is capable of. Well, and, and on top of that, not only what he's capable of, but like what he'll do to himself. Like yeah. how much he's going to like sequester himself to some dark pit to hide under a blanket and like poop in Tupperware because he can't touch anything that Shel- that Leonard has ever touched himself. Yeah, it's like he got mad because you touched his food one time. So <laughs> Yeah, he started a war. He banished someone from an apartment. Um yeah. And so again, that that would be more interesting. Or like what if what if they really ran with it and were like dunking so hard on Wallowitz that he had to like understand what a creepy is because that's the other thing is like Wallowitz isn't really overtly gross with this lady but he is doing like the real sad desperate thing of like leaving message after message assuming that things are going along like she's not saying no to anything so he's like well obviously she's on board yeah that's one of the it didn't really make me uh I mean it probably wasn't supposed to make me empathize with him it was probably just supposed to call his pathetic which it did yes but um I guess, I, like, it was a weird look into his character, I guess, because, um, I mean, it all makes sense, but basically, the version of the character that I am, uh, that I haven't, that we've seen before is basically, we only ever see him get as far in a relationship as he's trying to sleep with someone. We've never really seen what he's like when he thinks he's in a relationship with someone. And yeah. it turns out that, oh, he's not even creepy anymore, he's just pathetic and clingy. Yeah, now that's just a bummer. It's like he goes, he goes from he's not even he's not even pervy anymore. He's just another sad. Well, yeah, he goes he goes so far in the other direction where he's like, uh, my cousins are coming in to meet you, and you're coming over for dinner to spend time with my mom. She makes an excellent brisket, but I gotta know exactly how much she needs to make so you can give me some details. Yeah, it go, it goes from I just want to I just want to put myself into to any other person to. She's obviously my wife, and I can't believe how happy she's making my entire family. Yeah. Ugh, gross. So I noticed that, and I was like, oh, that's that's a little weird. So a friend of mine on Facebook who was, uh, who was like, a, she was trying to um, set someone up on, like, a blind date. I don't remember why this, I'm trying to remember. It's not important to this story, so I need to drop it. But anyway, he's like, 
She's oh, she was like, uh, "Do you trust me enough to let me set you up on a blind date?" And he, literally, his first question was, "That depends. Is she still of child rearing years?" Oh, and and literally, oh. I remember her response. That I was like, "Okay, if this is going to go forward, one thing you have to promise me right now, which is at no point." On any of the, at any point in the first date, are you going to use the phrase child rearing years or preferably on any subsequent date? Yeah. And then he, and then he's going to do something like understood and they'll go on a date and he's like, Hey, I brought along some measuring tape. If you don't mind, if I met, like if I measure the width of your hips, I need to know how, how smoothly the pregnancy is going to go along because you're not getting a C-section. I can tell you that right now. Uh, by the way, how are you enjoying the movie we are currently watching? <laughs> Do, are there any genetic uh, abnormalities that run in your family and might be hereditary? Just asking for out of curiosity. Yeah, I notice. I notice uh, you, you've got red hair, and that's something that is actually dying out of the population. It's a recessive gene, and so it's not that trait isn't being reproduced quickly enough. So, how many? How large would you like the brood to be to increase the maximum possible chances of keeping that line going? And how do you want to handle the children who don't have that particular phenotype? I mean, we can't just throw them in a pit. This isn't the old days. But there are ways to dispose of unwanted little ones. You know, all that kind of stuff. Yes. You know, I wasn't on board with that guy at the beginning. But by the end of it, I think I think that the the determination kind of won me over. <laughs> this one's tricky because like it's one of those ones where it's it's it's, it's not bad. There was I don't think there was any real moment where they like, groaned or were miserable. Well, you know, I guess what I would say it's not trying to. I think one of the worst things is like when it it the one of the most annoying things about the Big Bang Theory is when it thinks it's being funny and it's not. Well, being so funny at all. That that actually reminds me. There is a moment like that. I think. Um, and that is, well, two moments, which are basically the same thing. Because in the intro sequence, uh, it's Wallowitz and Sheldon, or Raj and Sheldon. It's Raj and Yeah, Sheldon. Raj and Sheldon are, are fighting over whether they should watch Deep Space Nine or Saturn Three. Yeah, so that was a weird one for me, because I don't know what that I is. I have no and idea what that is either. That It's actually, so I will admit... It made me a little uncomfortable. First nerd reference on the show ever that I did not immediately get. And I felt a little ungrounded. See, I, I think the way that we each reacted to that says a lot about our egos. Because you watched that and obviously you felt a little uncomfortable that you, you didn't have that piece of knowledge. I heard this and thought, oh, that's not a real thing. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> that's obviously something they made up just to fuck with me. Uh, and, and Leonard comes in and he says, well, why don't you guys split the difference and watch Babylon 5? And then we're back to like the first season jokes. Of, we're not making jokes so much as we are just referencing shows. Now, there's a bit of a joke in there where uh, he, he's like, you know, because it's in between three and nine, which if you're really getting there, you're looking for something that has a six at the end of it. Um, well, you could use, I mean, you can, you're either rounding down or up. You got to do Babylon's five or Blake's seven. But why would, why would you round? Because like, if you're if you're literally splitting the difference, three and nine is twelve divided by two is six. 
Well, I guess I was saying because I don't think there are any science fiction shows that end in six. But That's not my I problem. Know, I didn't know that there was a Saturn three either. So I'm confident there isn't. I'm going to stick with it. And if I get evidence that is contrary to my current belief, I'm going to disregard that too. Our many, many Facebook fans, if you could do, and Twitter fans, if you do the research for us on this and t- let us know about the Saturn three thing, I would appreciate it. Yeah, especially if you have any personal experience with it. Or also if you're... Uh, some sort of weird igomaniac like I am who just discards anything that isn't already a part of your own world. Uh, but they do the exact same joke after the credits, with, but it's now it's like, oh, Star Trek V or Star Trek One, And it's a little confusing because I think they're talking about it as seriously as anyone in a sitcom, a sitcom can talk about it. But if that's the case... Then that those it's not even jokes, but that conversation is for the people who wouldn't be watching the show. That's true because they're the serious nerds that would actually be having these arguments. Well, also the weirdest thing about that to me was it, it did feel like a very real conversation that nerds could have. Even yes. the arguments that they make, which is Sheldon's argument, is the like. Yes, everybody knows that Star Trek Five is bad, but it's just bad because the directing is bad. Whereas Star Trek the Motion Picture is bad, like at every step from like beginning to execution, um, which I've definitely had that argument about other movies. But um, yeah, but the they don't even say like the names of the movies. That was the fu- it's like. It's like they just assume that the audience is going to know which one Star Trek Five is, and like the, the whole time I was like, I was like, well, is that the Undiscovered Country or the Final Frontier? Because that's the one that always fucks with me. Is one of them is called the Final Frontier, and one of them's the Undiscovered Country, and they're right back to back. I, I have no idea. I but think also, it's the Final Frontiers Five. I, I don't think anyone is assuming that the audience is going to get it. My my assumption is that it doesn't matter what they're arguing about. Because it's just wacky nerd shit. And the fact that they're taking it seriously at all is the joke in itself. Like, if they were fighting about which Godfather movie was better, you'd be like, oh, well, yeah, everyone, of course, is going to be invested in that. But when you're fighting about, like, which Star Trek movie is better, then it's like, these nerds and the dumb shit they talk about. Are, are you saying it doesn't matter which Star Trek movie is the best? Kyle, you... I feel like we need to start setting up some sort of game... Where you so are so clearly identifying as a person in the show. It's no, I'm not saying that. But I'm also not saying that that's not the case. Objectively, it doesn't matter at all. If you're a nerd, it matters to you because it matters as much as arguing about any other like movie series would matter. And so it's like, if you're into movies seriously, or if you're into sci-fi series uh, seriously. Both of those two things are roughly equally important because they're both movie opinions. Okay, fine. I guess what I'm saying is it is it um, you know, it, it sucks a little bit because it actually, if you assume that their positions actually like meant something, meaning if you took them seriously, if you took Sheldon seriously, both in that he thinks that Star Trek Five is superior to Star Trek One, and also that he thinks, and this is really weird, just take it from me because I know you don't give a shit, that... You're probably right. That Star Trek The Voyage Home is a better movie than The Wrath of Khan. That is a weird fucking thing for Sheldon to think as... Based on everything we know about Sheldon, that is some bizarre shit that he just laid down. Maybe there is some background character to Sheldon that has yet to be explored, which would uh, explain his deep and intense love for uh, 1980 San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly... Like, Star Trek Four. 
is... We need to stop this. I need to put an end to any more talk about Star Trek right now. All right? No! This... It's, this is... Star Trek Four is a oh, light comedy. Brother. It's just a light comedy. It's just them running around. It's jokes about how much better like their utopian future is than shitty 1980s San Francisco. Like, that's literally, it's just basically like a comedy from the 80s. You could literally do it without the Star Trek jokes. It's just fun. It's a little funnier because it's actually Star Trek. Whereas 2 is like all of the path of, like, 2 is basically like Moby Dick, except within space. It's the gold standard of all Star Trek movies. So for Sheldon to say that he prefers the comedy, I mean, what's going on with that? Unless... You think that the thing that appeals to Sheldon about Star Trek Four is it's about people who are fundamentally superior to the people in what is, by all accounts, a modern-day society, and Sheldon specifically identifies with just the absolute contempt that every single character in that movie voices for, like, San Francisco modernity. You know, the contempt that McCoy has for the doctors and that, you know... Spock and Kirk have for, like, the policemen and the scientists, and that uh, Scotty has for, like, the engineers. Like, if you think that that's how Sheldon feels all the time, like, he's a man from the future who has traveled back in time and is stuck with Neanderthals, that says something really interesting about his character. Let me ask you this, though. Yes. Do either of those movies have a horny data in them? <sighs> no. All right, then I don't give a shit. You are right. I'm sorry. That's the only thing that matters to me. Out of the entire Star Trek uh, world, is this something I don't watch? I don't watch a lot of Star Trek. Like I like it fine, but I'm, I I can't commit to it. It's too much, uh, and I'm refusing to go further with this. No one else should have to listen to us talk about Star Trek when we're talking about other people talking about Star Trek and whether that conversation is important. Ah, we are in some sort of weird loop now. But at the same time, yeah, what else is there to talk about? Like, the, hey, the, the lady seems perfectly nice. That's cool. She really does. Uh, the girl, she goes for Leonard like he is, you know, dessert or something without really any establishing. It's just not, it's like not only is she super hot for him, it's just not like something we have ever seen. Like, even Leslie was like, well, basically I need sexual release. And like, it's just weird. All of a sudden Leonard's like some sort of like stud is, I guess, what I'm saying. So, I I think that the way to address this is to, to, to look at yourself and to think, someone has been sexually attracted to me, and I've had passionate smooches, and to not then immediately ask, if I'm not an ideal sexually attractive male, why is this even happening? Like, people fuck each other all the time, and they love it. And I don't think... People are only doing that because they found their ideal mate or have the same idea of what, like, an ideal, like, sexual partner would be. Who knows why she's into him? She is. Well, that's, and, and that's like, the most normal thing that's happened on this no, show so far. No, I agree. Far. It was very normal. Like, nothing was weird about it. What I was mostly saying is it's different from how Leonard's been characterized before. And also, um, it might have been funny if they'd given a reason. I think, I think that, well, I think that's right. And that's kind of a bummer, is they, they don't spend enough time on that part of it to establish anything like that. Like, if she'd just been like, you know, uh, oh, I can't land this joke. Uh, if she'd been like, I'm only into dudes who look like uh, Kevin Spacey with glasses, and for some reason you remind me of that or something. Yeah, that's um, that's like recently on a, on a certain dating site, uh, a woman messaged me uh, I remember you telling me about this uh, well yeah so she didn't message me you know she was like hey what's up and then I looked at her profile 
And she's like, I'm, I'm looking into someone that's really dominant to slap me around a bit. And I'm also a bit of a chubby chaser. So if you're 250 or above, that's ideal. And I'm like, I'm not either of those things. I don't know what to do now. And then it is hard to like not message back and be like, so you've set out your criteria pretty clearly. <laughs> so why me? Like, I don't want to say no, but what's going on? I don't feel like I'm either like mean or fat enough to like be what you're into. So where do we go yeah, from you here? Definitely would not be able to slap someone around, no matter like how. Oh Lord, no, or how much no. They asked you. Oh, that's ugh, gives me the willies. And like, totally side note here, but like, I have I have friends who are into the rough stuff, and I remember like a, cu- a couple once revealing to me that uh, the, the dude half um, wasn't as comfortable or great with the the rough housing, you might call it. And so when when the lady half was encouraging him to be a bit more forceful. Uh, they then had to re-strategize after that sex session to figure out how to find the middle ground where she doesn't end up with a concussion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was like, too little, too little. Okay, here you go. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I'd rather just not deal with all that mess. You know, hugs and kisses. Um, eat some spaghetti. Try not to look each other in the eyes. You know, real romance. But, you know, I think... That, I think we just wrap up. You know, this one... Went down real easy, but there, there wasn't very complicated, you know? Yes. All I can say is thank God they dropped the pickup artist stuff. Like, oh. we, were, like, like, so, <laughs> we were both looking at each other like, yeah, we, This is where we've come. Now we're going, we're now, we're, now Wallowitz is going to come out as an MRA. Oh. And then but he's, still, I know it doesn't happen because I've seen enough of this show to know it doesn't happen, but it still seems like the perfectly logical evolution of his character yeah. based on like... Just waiting for him to walk into a room, ending a conversation we couldn't hear with. Well, it's really about ethics and gaming journalism. <laughs> oh, Christ. Yes. Uh, well, again, as always, completely unenthusiastic uh, encouragement to for everyone to, to reach out to us on social meds. No, again, it's very useful. Your feedback would be appreciated. Also, knowing what you like and don't like about the show and what you'd like us to do more. Uh, would really help us improve the quality of the show. Believe it or not, we're trying our best here, people, and we could always uh, we could always try other stuff if we knew it was what you guys wanted. Also, it'd just be a fun little community thing. That's what we all want—somewhere where we belong. Yeah, our own Harmon Town. Sure, that's a thing I don't think I want to be a part of, but I do understand the comparison. Uh, so yeah, we have a Facebook, Big Bang Theory Theory. We have a Twitter, BB Theory Squared. Our show is on iTunes. It's on all of your major podcasting apps and podcatchers, etc., etc. So recommend it. it. Establish a bunch of bot accounts to listen to it just to get numbers up for some arbitrary reason. All that good stuff. But now, let's discuss our nerdy thing of the week. Our totally fresh and new thing for this week that we haven't discussed at all. Yeah, I can see the panic in your eyes right now as you Oh, it's not the- panic. I'm just I'm just ro- we we we're maybe recording a couple episodes pretty they, close they don't together. They know that. They already do. They could have told from the beginning with the tired sadness in our voices. Uh well, that could just be a side effect of watching the Big Bang Theory every week. But um quite true. So, mine is another movie recommendation. Uh last night, uh I got one of my favorite types of calls, which is a couple of my friends called me and they were drunk and they were like, we just called you to tell you we really appreciate your taste in anime. And I was like, this is... Oh, boy. Sorry, go ahead. This is nice. 
This is really nice. It's like we were drunk and we were talking about anime and we were like, you know who really knows a lot about anime and who always recommends good anime to us is Kyle. And I was like, oh, my heart is warmed. And they were like, so then they were like, yeah, come over, hang out. I was like, okay, so I did. And I brought, because I felt now like I had to, uh, Tokyo Godfathers, which is a movie I watched like once a year. I've been meaning to watch that for like a decade. I've still never seen it. Oh, so good. It was It was like, it was the trailer was on every other single anime I was watching for years. It's an amazing, I mean, it's not just a masterpiece of like anime, it's just a masterpiece of like fucking cinema that just happens to be animated. And that's a, the, that's a thing that a lot of people say about the late, uh, great Satoshi Khan, which is that he made movies that would have been like... Would have been perfectly good if they weren't cartoons, but that well, actually pushed the boundaries even more because they blended in, like, really revolutionary animated techniques with, like, cutting-edge storytelling. Anyway, so Tokyo Godfathers is the story of these three homeless people in Tokyo who find a baby and over the course of, like, a week to go on a quest to, like, figure out whose baby this is and how to get it back to who it belongs to. And it's a comedy. It's also heartwarming. It's got great characterization. It's got some of the best... Like storytelling and uh, act, acting and everything that you will ever see in a movie, and it's uh, it's just you know. So I watched it last. So I sat at like at twelve o'clock last night. I put it on and we watched it for two hours, and everybody agreed when it was done that that was an amazing movie. Nice. So you know, I watch it probably once every couple of years when I'm down, and it always holds up. Well, excellent work. Um, I'm also going to recommend a movie which is not in any way a niche genre or medium or anything. But this last week, for the very first time, I watched the original Psycho. Oh, yeah! Yeah. It's one of those things where, you know, you learn so much about it through cultural osmosis that you don't think about watching it. Because yeah. it's it's so much of it's already there in your brain. Yeah, I had the same experience. Well, I had the experience watching Psycho. I also had that experience. So on Wednesday of last week, I saw Halloween, the original Halloween. Ah, yes. Which I, like you said, I was like, I've definitely seen this movie. How did you feel about it? It was pretty... Well, I felt... I was so I saw it on like the big screen because they were doing a special release, and I mostly enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, great. Now I'm kind of excited. I want to see the new one. I was going to ask if you wanted to see that. Let's I do absolutely that. do. Okay. Um, but I was kind of frustrated because there were obviously people in the audience who were like, "I've seen so many like scary, sophisticated slasher movies that like the fact that I know what's going on." Like every time Michael Myers showed up on screen, they would sort of laugh, and I'd be like. Yeah, you're laughing because you know who this character is, and you, whereas I liked, I was like totally capable. I was like, no, I still connect with like the primal terror. This dude is a fucking like. I wasn't like like scared on the edge of my seat, but I was like, this yeah. is unsettling. Well, this is this weird force of nature that is stalking these young people. Well, and something I so I think the first Halloween movie is very overrated, but also very good. Like I, it's I think it's held in too high of esteem. But also still totally worth watching. And I think part of the reason that makes it more effective is like in those early movies, Michael Myers is still just a guy. He's just a guy that happens to be unfeeling and relentless. And I think that is so much scarier than like, because in the later movies, like he basically gets superpowers and he's got some sort of ancient curse. And there's this like cult of druids that gets involved. All this nonsense. Yeah. But, no. but just some guy, he escapes a mental institution 
Yeah. He, he buys a knife and some rope. Yeah, and there's even, like, the shrink. So to go back to Psycho, like, at the end of that movie, I'm totally stepping all over your thing. I'm sorry. I, I No, I instigated this one. But, so. so, like, at the end of Psycho, like, the whole thing is, well, yeah, this guy's kind of scary, but once you understand the psychology of it, it all makes perfect sense. Whereas in Halloween, the psychiatrist is like, look, Ooh. I'm an expert. Yeah, that no, that dude's a fucking soulless. Fuck? Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like that dude's basically pure evil. There's no scientific explanation for the hate he feels for all humanity. We have to lock him up and throw away the key yeah. forever. It's which, like Jesus Christ. Which is a problem, I think, with the Rob Zombie remake is they he goes to such pains to explain why Michael Myers is so evil, and that ruins it. Because like the thing is, you don't you, not understanding is what's scary. Like th- th- there's no reason that he should be stalking that this these women these people uh and you you don't get to understand that you just have to like deal with it and figure out how to survive no so yeah so i really liked it um there are a couple like basically the parts of it that i don't well there i was gonna say two things um i think one of the reasons that people pray is you just have to give it special credit because it's the first one yes i like, think that is what's like, probably most important about like it. if you had like basically what i felt watching it and what i assume imagine a lot is like if you watched it and had never seen another like if it was the first slasher movie you had ever seen i imagine back in the day when it first came out it fucking blew people's like socks off yeah because it was just so fucking different and weird and scary and so i appreciate that but the the main problem is like because it's the first one literally every single slasher movie trope that people go on to like you know sort of make fun of is in the movie like the main like the main protagonists are all basically like super horny and to the point of like they have no sense of self-preservation it's like the final girl um, makes just an incredible number of like she basically has him at her mercy multiple times and literally takes his knife away from him twice and then proceeds to drop it on the ground right in front of him where he can conveniently pick it back up and proceed to try to stab her again. Yeah, yeah. And when she's running away from him, she always runs in the wrong direction. Although even that, some of the time, it's to protect the children, which is something that I that was kind of interesting because actually a lot of slasher movies now like they would never have like oh and there are two kids like there are two little kids in the house that she's trying to take keep take care this, of while there's this murderer running around this is going to sound pretty gnarly i think but one of my favorite things in horror movies is when a child gets murdered. Because then it's like, oh, all fuck, all bets are off. Yeah. Well, it's funny because in John Carp, like, one of the things, one of the literary criticisms of it is that Halloween really respects, like, children. Like, nothing bad happens to the actual kids in that movie. Um, like, they're magically protected, which is something. But it's funny because the first movie John Carpenter, I think, ever came to attention for is Assault on Precinct 13. And doesn't a kid just, like, get yeah, that randomly murdered? Like, in, like, the first 15 minutes of it, like, one of the criminals just, like, walking down the street, like, shoots, like, an eight-year-old in the head. And that was, like, the... Like, it was a really big deal. Yeah. Like, it was a real problem for the censors when that happened. Man, that movie's also weird because it essentially becomes a zombie movie. Or, like, I think at some point, like, one of the gang leaders throws down a jar full of blood and at that point, like hordes of other gang members just start throwing themselves at all these well not all a few people with guns well I don't think that I think John Carpenter is a pretty like open uh, like two people that he loves are George A. Romero and uh, Howard Hawks I guess because he's always like it was funny in uh, Halloween they're all watching the thing on television I was like ah I see where this is headed um, 
So also he likes Psycho, and there's I was gonna say so watch the, Psycho at the beginning. <laughs> last thing in the, the promise I'll show at the beginning the murder that Mike Myers commits at the beginning of the movie where he murders the first babysitter is basically the murder from Psycho seen from POV, like right down to the way he raises and lowers the knife. Uh, well, I because we always go along. Uh, to get back to Psycho, all I'm going to say... I'm I, done. No, I, talk as much as no, you want I'm not, about it. No, because I, I don't... Do a deep dive. Let me do what I want to do, okay? Sorry. This is my voice. Sorry. And uh, watch it. That's it. Because, sure, maybe you think you already know everything about it, and maybe you do, but seeing it as a one cohesive unit, actually like watching from beginning to end the entire film, uh, I think it's so much more than what everyone knows it as. Like, it's got a couple twists that I think would wouldn't be spoilers if I were to say them right now. I'm still not going to just in case. And even knowing about those twists, like they're not necessarily what makes the movie. Like, I wish I could have experienced them for the first time just so I could have that additional level of shock. But it's just solid and, like, beautifully shot. Uh, a sympathetic villain. Uh, characters who more or less make, like, realistic decisions and are real people. Uh, it's it's great. And, yeah, we I think we talked enough about horror movies generally to not have to go into the, all the specifics but yes you should absolutely watch psycho um you're stabbed anybody not with a real knife yeah 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 me neither i got stabbed with a fork once that was unpleasant buddy of mine he he walked around like he would hold he uh he had this piece of graphite embedded embedded in like his hand where somebody had like st- like in like second grade it stabbed him super hard with a pencil you know what I like about being an adult and being able to choose my own friends? What? Not having to hang out with the kid that was weirdly into military items and would like go on about how much any weapon would kill somebody. I don't know if you also had that in your life. I feel like that's a trope, and it's definitely something I had in my real childhood. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, I think a lot of dudes were like that. That was not, that was not me. Yeah. But you're friends with me, and I go on about, like, how fun it is to punch people and stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying that being friends with you is ideal. But you know, it's nice that I get to make that choice. That's fair. <laughs>